We begin this morning with the Wednesday morning prayer that you find on page 169 in the front of the hymnary, and let us join in saying that. Unto you, O Heavenly Father, I direct my first thoughts and lift up my heart in prayer that I may live and walk in you alone. Be my fortress this day as you have been my protection through this night, for which I thank you with my whole heart. Watch this day also over my soul and my members. May I also turn to you in true penitence. Cleanse me from all wickedness and uncleanness. May I walk in your fear in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, and trusting in his precious merits, I give myself to you altogether with all that you have bestowed upon me. Bless me in him with whatever pleases you. Grant me wisdom and strength to perform the duties of the calling in which you have placed me. May your holy angels accompany me and mine in all our ways and help us to walk together in love in the narrow path which leads to your heaven. To this end, help us by your Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Grace and peace are yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text this morning is from the book of Genesis, chapter 8. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife, and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all the flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every animal, every creeping thing, every bird, and whatever creeps on the earth, according to their families, went out of the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed in Christ, Noah and his family are confronted with a world after the flood that is so different from what they had known a year earlier. If you have ever seen the effects of a flood, you know that the very landscape can be changed. A flash flood on a small stream can change the stream bed, the stream bank, even moving rocks and trees. The flood of a much larger river, like the Missouri, a few years ago, left its mark on dozens and dozens and dozens of miles of land. It was a devastating picture. Noah and his family are directed by God to go out from the safety of the ark into what is almost a brand new world, a world where the wrath of God had fallen on the idolatry of humanity, evidence of destruction was all around. But already they had heard or been given a sign of hope. One of the doves sent out by Noah had come back with a fresh leaf from an olive tree. There was life after that terrible flood. Noah follows the directions of God for himself, his family, and the animals in the ark. They all go out. They go out to begin anew. What possessions does Noah have as he leaves the ark? Does he have many animals, birds? Well, he has what God had brought into the ark a year earlier, two by two or perhaps seven by seven, and any new offspring, not a lot. But despite this apparent lack, a small number from which to repopulate the whole world, what does Noah do? He builds an altar and offers a burnt offering to God from the clean animals and the birds. He isn't taking from flocks of thousands of sheep or other animals, but a comparatively small amount. 
This is a sign of trust on the part of Noah. He isn't worried about God not being able to replenish the earth. Noah trusts that the God who brought him safely in the ark through the waters that drowned the unbelieving world would not abandon him. From an apparent lack, Noah would give a rich sacrifice, believing in the God who supplies all that we need for this body and life. He was content to put his trust in God and his promises. And we are told that God smelled that soothing aroma of the burnt offering. What does God promise after the flood? I will never, never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done, while the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Noah's faith had already gone through a tremendous test. God put him in a boat, flooded the world, and promised him safety. What Noah saw, what Noah experienced, was weeks and weeks of floodwaters, of his world disappearing under the waves. All Noah had was God's word. And God kept his promise to Noah. God remembered Noah. And now Noah's faith will be tested yet again. Can he trust that this post-flood world can be lived in? And God tells him, yes. Noah is content with the promise of God, that word from the God who saved him. The evidence of God's ongoing care, his providential care, will take a while to show itself, but the trees, the grass, the replenishing of the whole world will happen. And Noah's trust in the Lord's promises provide him with contentment, with his worries held at bay by the word of God. As the children of God, we are called to trust his care for us, as did Noah. Our trust, like Noah's, is founded on God's promises, his word. We confess that trust in God in union with countless of our brothers and sisters in the faith when we say, I believe in God the Father Almighty. We go on to confess that in the explanation of the catechism, that I believe God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still preserves them, that he richly and daily provides me with food and clothing, home and family, property and goods, and all that I need to support this body and life. And all this purely out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me. This is most certainly true. Have you been scared by apocalyptic scenarios depicting the end of the world? Maybe through climate change, melting ice caps, nuclear war, or any of a number of other possibilities. There's no shortage of them. The proponents of these various scary scenarios all want something from you. They want your trust. Trust me and I will make sure none of these end-of-the-world scenarios happens. Act now. Believe in me. No matter the promises given and the temptation to put our trust in such human plans, we must remember especially two things. Number one, we live in God's world not one of human making. Two, 
no human promises can provide hope and comfort when death turns up, as it will. Regarding the first, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. God says that to us as much as he did to Noah after the flood. Remember those words when the end of the world scenarios are put before you. Consider the strength and knowledge of those who are proposing such scenarios and compare them to the strength and knowledge of God whom we, to whom we ascribe the attributes of omnipotence and omniscience. And while there are certainly humans who desire that we see them as all-knowing and all-powerful, we can safely ignore those claims. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Regarding the second, <clears throat> the power of death, we confess what Jesus proclaims. He is resurrection and life. To believe in him is to have eternal life. Noah saw God's judgment on the unbelieving world of his day, but he also saw God's mercy on himself and his family, bringing them through that flood safely in the ark. In the waters of holy baptism, God's children are brought through death to life. As Paul put it, we are buried with Christ by baptism into death. That just as he was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. In a wonderful prayer of Martin Luther titled, The Flood Prayer. Luther prays of the contrasts we see between God's righteous judgment and his even greater mercy. It's a prayer that is often prayed at many baptisms, but also during the Easter vigil, that Saturday evening before Easter. Luther prayed, Almighty God, in your righteous judgment, you once condemned the unbelieving world to death in the waters of the flood, but in your greater mercy you preserved believing Noah and his family upon the same waters. You prefigured the wonder of baptismal water. In the baptism of your own son, the Lord Jesus, you made the Jordan and all water a holy washing away of sin. In the name of Jesus, your beloved Son, mercifully look upon your servants. Preserve us in the true faith, and by the power of the saving flood of holy baptism, continue to confound Satan and drown our sinful nature. Deliver us from the number of the unbelieving, and preserve us in the ark of your church. Noah's contentment came from trusting the promises of God, promises that did not fail, though the world had been in turmoil around him. Your contentment, your hope, is found in the God who did not spare his son, but offered him for you. Believe that truth, that mercy, that love of God, because he means it for every one of you. In Jesus' name, amen. And glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.